Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Paper Boys. To lighten the mood a little bit from our episode last week on COVID-19, we'll be discussing the physics of water balloons. While it sounds simple, it's actually much more complex than you might have imagined. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It definitely brings back some uh, traumatic memories from my childhood of water balloon incidents gone wrong. And uh, as you'll find out in the episode, it has me wishing that I knew about this paper when I was a kid. Yeah, check it out. There are some awesome videos associated with it, so feel free to check out our website, paperboyspodcast.com. And last little plug, uh, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod to help out with everyone who's economically affected with this pandemic of coronavirus. We'll be donating all the proceeds that we get from Patreon next month, so check it out. All the money should be going to a good cause. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Paper Boys, the weekly podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. I'm your co-host for today, as always, James, with my other co-host, Charlie. Hello, Charlie. Hello, James, from quarantine. I know. Right when you get back to Seattle, we get hit with stay-home orders. Yeah. The governor was waiting for me. He's like, all right, once Charlie gets back to the state, we're locking this stuff down. Yeah. It's almost... He's like, I want to make it as difficult as possible to record Paperboys. And you know, in this time of need, we need to consider the risks of being outside and podcasting. I believe that was... Yes. Dude, I mean, podcasting could be a very safe quarantine activity. We could easily stay six feet apart. We're exchanging information, not germs. We have these pop filters, which are basically spit filters slash virus filters. Yeah, my pop filter is N95 certified. Ooh, maybe that's the answer. Less virus, more podcast. Yeah, anyway, that's our jokey way of venting, I think, some latent frustration about this continued remote setup. We haven't recorded together in person since, like, November, I think. Yeah, since before you left for JPL. Although, yeah, if it's, a, it's a small sacrifice for the greater good. So, we'll do what we can. I guess... I guess. So, so I know it sounds so like selfish. Uh, so what are we going to be talking about today? Well, uh, if you tuned in last week, you probably heard our episode about COVID-19. To lighten the mood a little bit as we all try to get through this, I thought I would switch it up and talk about water balloons. It's spring, at least here in Seattle. There's beautiful weather as I look outside my window and a water balloon fight doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of human contact, but uh, definitely lighthearted change from last week where we're talking about pandemic and di- death and disease. Yes. Now we're talking about death by water balloon. Although... Death by water balloon. <laughs> just blanket statement. I'm not advocating having a water balloon flight during a lockdown, unless it's hand sanitizer mm. balloons. Yes. Our lawyers insisted that we put that disclaimer in. Yes. Yes, uh, hopefully they don't make it Let's pull down this so, episode. So how is there science about water balloons? What, what, like what is, what could even be in the news about water balloons right now? So, you know, you throw a water balloon against a wall and you see it pop. It turns out this is a very complex physical phenomena 
that is hard to model and sounds like has not really been, or I guess I should say physics has not really attempted to explain the complex phenomena that are happening. Like, how do you explain the deformation of a water balloon getting chucked against a wall? You have, you have kinematics, you have fluids, you have a lot of different, like interesting physical phenomena. Yes. It, it doesn't jump out at me as like something that really needs an answer but i imagine i imagine whoever made this uh study probably has some sort of applications in mind but yeah yeah so you're like okay well why as taxpayers are reinvesting in this type of research the authors did come up with some interesting applications from this uh which i'll get into in more detail but um before i do that it's worth mentioning the name of the paper it's deformation and bursting of elastic capsules impacting a rigid wall. First author is Etienne Jambon Puyer. The other authors are Trevor J. Jones and P.T. Brunn from Princeton University. And I love the first line of this paper because it's it's sort of like a great archetype for every science paper where you start just super broad with some general truth. And the first line yeah. of this paper is like in today in today's modern society we we often find ourselves wondering about balloons <laughs> all humans plus or minus 5% have engaged in water balloon activities at some point that's not the real line <laughs> yeah uh instead they say all living beings contain and transport liquids period oh my goodness <laughs> that's how they that's the relevant context for this study yeah well, okay. To be fair, I just well, if you to... think about it, humans really are just big water balloons walking around, hitting walls. True, true. But it's funny you say that because one of the applications where they thought that this could have a big impact is in uh, helping to prevent organ bursting in car crashes or other like traumatic events. Oh, wow. Oh, I don't really like to imagine that as. You know, I'm, pic- I'm picturing in my mind's eye, like... Don't picture it. You know, like that YouTube channel, the slow-mo guys. How, like, they'll throw a water balloon against a wall and... Yeah. You'll see super slow motion what's happening. Oh, I don't want to picture, like, my liver doing that inside my body. No, it's a lot happier just picturing a water balloon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, this is... Yeah, I can understand now yeah, some of the applications here and that why they're going for water balloons. Yeah. That's one application. Um, if you look at a lot of other phenomena in the world, uh, it's actually a pretty good model for that as well, such as like blood cells or um, different microcapsules that they're looking at for microfluidic devices. And it also has applications for f- firefighting, apparently. There are these like grenades they can throw <laughs> at fires to help extinguish them. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, I've seen that before. That was, yeah, that was new to me. Kind of cool. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, kind of kind of strange concept, but the yeah. figures in this and the videos most importantly are great. Yeah, I can already imagine. Like I said, I'm picturing the slow-mo guys that YouTube channel, but so I'm curious if they're starting out this broadly, what was this like an experiment that they did or is this a computer model or is this like really math and theory oriented as you could tell from the title like 
the wording is very scientific, sort of the general tone of the paper, but it's an experimental work. Right. And so what they sought to do is they're trying to look at how you can relate the deformation of a capsule. And they define capsule as something that combines a liquid, like water, and a solid, like a balloon. Um, so these two things that are in different phase from each other. Okay. I really love that just like physicists are so, they're so like exacting with their definitions. Like we have a capsule, which we will, for these purposes, define a capsule as. <laughs> yes. It's like, okay, we know what a capsule is. <laughs> you know, it's like that classic joke about like physicists and they're talking, it's like, assume all the cows are spherical or something like that. I've, that's one of those jokes where I only know the punchline and I forget the setup, but it always makes me laugh when I think about it. Gets the point across. Yeah. Yeah. And totally lost my train of thought. So they're trying to basically figure out, you know, if you have some sort of liquid with some sort of solid around it, how can you figure out how much it'll deform based on certain measurable parameters? So, like, the velocity, or you could think about, like, the viscosity of the liquid, or the surface yeah. tension of the shell around it. And I didn't, like, I didn't, going into this, I didn't realize how complicated it is. But, like I said before, there are tons of physical interactions, like the interactions of inertia, fluid dynamics, and capillary actions. So, they had a lot to study. Mm. Yes, capillary actions. We're all familiar with those. I guess it's like surface tension. I mean, I don't do fluids. Sounds complicated. What are they really trying to achieve? They just want to get a function to be like, okay, you measure these properties about your capsule and you chuck it against something with some velocity. What happens? How much does it deform? And can you start to come up with a predictor for when it'll burst? Hmm. Okay. So, you know, um, you're like, so chuck a water balloon against a wall and you're like, ah, it's kind of a hard thing to say. Like, it will, from what I can measure about this balloon, how can I actually, you know, quantitatively say this will burst? I have a very distinct memory from my childhood of having a huge water balloon fight. It was like, you know, all the kids of the neighborhood and we were over at someone's house and people were like, you know, we were wearing like black clothes and put camo face paint on and like we were intense we were like running all over this yard and like hiding and like you know we had war games going on and flanking their east side and it was pretty intense but i remember very distinctly chucking a balloon straight at this kid's face it it goes right at it and then he catches it what and he caught the balloon and it didn't pop and then he threw it back at me and hit me no and i'm like still upset about that that the balloon didn't pop. Yeah. You, I was betrayed by physics. Had you just read this paper, you know, however many years ago, you could have done a quick back of the envelope calculation and figured out the Reynolds number, the Weaver number of your balloon, the velocity at which you need to I know, to it would have been so simple. Face. So simple. Just pull out yeah. your slide rule. I could have just altered the viscosity of the inside, you know, put a couple rocks in there maybe. Mm. Or just thrown it harder, you baby. Yeah. Oh, all right, James. <laughs> Don't need to ridicule my arm strength. Just kidding. I just think of young Charlie throwing a balloon. Okay. So what's their approach for this paper then? Like you said, it's ex experimental, but it sounds like there's a lot of modeling that probably has to 
go into like analyzing their results. Yeah, yeah. So they took the approach of basically what they called uh, energy balance. So what they're saying is the capsule hits a surface with some amount of energy. And if you make some assumptions about this being an elastic collision, so like all of the energy that the capsule has when it collides basically gets dispersed through the liquid and the uh, solid that make up the capsule, so the balloon and the water, you can then start looking at the deformation of the capsule as some function of what they call the shell surface modulus. This is basically like roughly how tight is the water balloon around it and how stretched is it. So I, I'm, I'm just going to tease you for a second here since you made fun of my arm strength. When you said they do something called energy balance, I like kind of chuckled a little bit because like in physics, that's like, you know, that's the electrical engineering equivalent of being like they used this thing called um, Ohm's law. Damn. OK. Yeah. I'm out of touch. <laughs> it's like energy balance energy mass and momentum balance are like the three, you know, underlying principles of like any system analysis. So just thought it was funny the way you said it. All right. Not to make fun of you too much. Sorry. One for one. For one. <laughs> I mean, and that's also not to simplify what they're doing. You start with a very simple concept, which is energy balance. And then that turns into the very complicated system and, and layers of analysis. But it's been a while. I just got to chuckle out of it. It's been a while since I took physics 101. I, I deserve that. Yeah. Admittedly. Um, <laughs> but for the listeners, maybe for the listeners who don't know. So with this novel approach of energy balance <laughs> they're able to come up with a basically a function so some sort of mathematical equation that uh tells them the deformation based on some different measurable quantities like the reynolds number which is not exactly a measure of viscosity but you can think of it as like a liquid that has a higher reynolds number will have like we, we'd call it thicker so like maple syrup has a higher Reynolds number than tap water. And yeah, I think like sh strictly speaking, it's like it's how much like friction and like viscosity will uh, produce force of the liquid versus like how much just like straight up pressure of it will cause a force. Maybe that maybe that is a worse description, actually. No, no, no. But it, but it is it's like a ratio number, right? Yeah, it's it's a dimensionless. It's a dimensionless parameter that's like used in fluids all the time. It's like probably the one that they use the most to describe the way that a flow will behave. Okay. And then the other thing that they look at is the Weber number or Weber number. I'm going to call it Weber. But I think Weber, yeah. Dang. I'm going to call it Weber. I think it's Weber. <laughs> yeah. The Weber number, um, which is wow it's so funny like these these are all like again uh this isn't to make fun of you it's just like it's uh since I, my degree is like in the physics field and like my background is like a, a physical engineering uh degree these are all like things that are super familiar but has never really occurred to me like oh people don't really like see these names around very much and like i guess i don't know yeah you never have to take fluid dynamics and electrical engineering I know. Like if I brought in some paper about like circuit design, I would be sounding like similarly like similarly stupid. Uh, I'd be like K Kirchhoff's law. <laughs> Just like day one of circuits. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
So uh, for those of us who may be presenting or listening who aren't familiar with the Weber number. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Each time I say this, I'm, I'm now like, well, I actually don't know the Weber number. I just know the name Weber. But I'm realizing I sound like such a snob for saying this. So no, no, no. I yeah. No, it's interesting. You know, we're both we're both PhD students in two buildings that are right next door to each other, and it's like totally different background. Yeah, and I think and I think maybe the underlying point, you know, if I can if I can make a nice save on making fun of you, uh, the the underlying point is that this approach they're taking is like really relying on fundamental physics. It's not. It it doesn't sound all that like crazy. Whoa, they really went out of their way and had to invent all kinds of new, you know, numbers and parameters and stuff. Like, no, exactly. Based on where it's going, it sounds like they can explain all these processes from first principles very well. Yes, yeah, which is cool because you're like, how many phenomena like that are around us, and do we just sort of ignore every day that have never been explained like that, at least from the way they right about exactly. It. So, Weber number, real quick. As I understood it, it's basically a measure of how much a liquid deforms. It's um, a number that's proportional to the density and the velocity squared and inversely proportional to the surface tension. So Wikipedia had a great image that describes it, where if you imagine you take a brick, I'm going to try to describe the image to you. You take a brick and you throw it into a pool of water and you'll get this splash and with the splash, you'll have these freely moving airborne water droplets. And you'll basically, they'll take on like tons of weird intricate shapes, the water droplets. And that is an indication yeah. that the Weber number is high. So this deformation gives you some idea of like what the Weber number would do. If the huh. Weber number were pretty cool. lower, I imagine that they would take like more uniform shapes. Probably because like you have higher surface tension. Because the surface tension dominates. I think so. Or like wow, low velocity. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 So to summarize a little bit like what their approach is, they're using energy balance and trying to come up with an equation that tells them how much something will deform. And there's a great image in the paper where you can think of deformation as just like you start with a sphere, you smash it against a wall, and you know it'll become sort of this uh, spread out pancake. And yeah. Their metric for deformation is basically what's the ratio or what's that the final radius of your pancake versus your initial radius of your sphere. Hmm. Okay. So I'm looking at this picture and these balloons are very puzzling to me. They're custom like small how, capsules. How did they make these balloons? There's no like balloon knot up at the top. A balloon knob? No, like a balloon knot. Like... When you make a water oh. balloon, you have to tie it off because there's like an opening. The, but these are just like a perfect sphere of of whatever material it is. These are like custom capsules that they made. But then in the videos, they like go on to actually test water balloons, which is really cool. Oh, really? It, yeah. That's cool. Great video. So as you can imagine, uh, experimentally, how do you test this? You You get a high-speed camera and you launch custom balloons against a wall and by recording really slowly frame by frame with good measurements and like knowledge of your setup you could basically just use the images that you get back from that high speed video to measure the deformation of these capsules wow dude this is like someone's phd work yeah 
<laughs> like in their lab, they're dropping water balloons and measuring sizes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, one cool thing that they found was they found the velocity at which shear waves, so waves that were traveling along the balloon, would uh, travel in the shell. Or so, like, they found the velocity... I'm butchering this explanation. They are able to calculate what the velocity of propagation of waves in the, like, rubbery material is. And so they found that if they launched capsules below this velocity against the wall they could actually witness these hydroelastic waves propagating towards the top of the capsule. And what this means is like, this is the equivalent of, you know, when you drop a drop of water into like a cup and then you see it rebound and bounce back up. Yeah. So you can, you can witness this in the balloons. The videos are super fun to watch. You know, there's just something like, wow, that's really cool. Childish and simple about it, but, but it's like mesmerizing. Yeah, it's mesmerizing when you're like, wow, this thing that is so simple and like brought me so much joy as a child, like there's so much going on. I think anyone who's in yeah, STEM or, you know, you don't even have to be in STEM to appreciate just all the like magical nuance in the world around us and yeah. slow motion videos capture Dude, that. Dude, imagine how like, imagine how like doctors feel about like, we're all just walking around these like we're just like these big meat bodies and we don't really think about like what's happening inside our bodies but like if you're a doctor you went to med school and you know all the stuff that's happening inside everyone's bodies every day mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy yeah dude i don't think i could ever eat like candy or stuff like that again if i had gone to med school when you know just what, knowing what it does like inside in your you? stomach yeah Ugh. yeah oh man yeah i try not to think about it yeah so water balloons are the engineering equivalent, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead, I just decided of, of to wonderment. chuck a bunch of water balloons against a wall instead of going to med school. Yeah. Hey, both people are going to be doctors at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am I am totally joking. Their analysis is very good. <laughs> it's super interesting. It's hard. This is hard to do. It's easy to find a complex topic and find like a research idea. Really hard to take something that is like so simple and actually break this down accurately dude yeah i mean to to pull out like like such meaningful science from such a simple concept is like it a not only is like extremely challenging and reveals a lot of like intellect but also b uh it's you know it's publishable in in nature which is like which means it's really good science it's like i i think of studies like this as you know it's so fundamental it's like the kind of thing where you're like oh well you know anyone could study it i kind of think of it the same way like we really revere people who are really fast runners like usain bolt is like an international celebrity because he's the best at running which is a thing that every human being can or you know with with exceptions of course but that's like a thing that every person can do and is capable of doing and he's the best at it Mm -hmm. so it's one thing when you're like a you know an astronomer and uh you really need access to a 30 meter telescope to do certain research which is you know its own impressive thing on a whole different level but it's really cool to see research like this which is like so starts so simple Mm -hmm. yeah it's like the elegance of the scientific method too like they didn't have a super complicated experiment they had a high-speed camera and you know they had to make custom balloons but as you'll see like in the videos they eventually just used normal water balloons and they're able to come up with some like pretty astounding math. So well done, 
authors. Nice. So it's worth talking a little bit about their analysis, their experiments, and sort of what they were looking for. Okay. So what they started off doing was they had different capsule sizes, and so they'd shoot them at the wall with um, different impact velocities and compare how much did the capsule stretch upon impact? What was the maximum deformation? And so there's a plot of this, and if you look, you can see that, okay, if a capsule is bigger, it will have generally greater deformation. It's not, there's some, okay. I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. There's some variations, but like the capsules kind of group around each other based on their size. And then they said, okay, what if we change the shell material? So we use something that has like basically different levels of surface tension. And as you could imagine, that has an impact on how much the capsule stretches. So if you have more tension, yeah, there's less deformation. The thing that was happening though. More tension. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. The lower, I'm looking at this plot here. It's basically just like a, it's plotted on log log scale, but it's like a straight increasing line across the graph. So, like a lower Weber number had a smaller deformation, right? Yes. And so, that okay. what was cool is if you look at the original graphs, so just comparing capsule size and shell material, you get these different groupings um, as you change the impact velocity. But what they did was then mm -hmm. they said, okay, what if we plot essentially deformation versus the Weber number? And then you find that regardless of the capsule size or material, they all start to fall onto each other onto like a single line. So yeah, dude, this is the power of the power of dimensionless parameters. This is exactly why the Weber number exists and the Reynolds number exists because you find these kinds of things all the time. It lets you compare things that like otherwise wouldn't be comparable. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I, I like, I never really do this for my research. So it was cool to see this. Actually, this is going to be a, Oh, this is like what my research currently is. It's like, we're about to hopefully publish a paper that is all this kind of like dimensionless number scaling stuff. Not, you know, not numbers like these, like fluid, not like fluid dimensionless numbers, but, you know, similar concept. Sweet. This is going to date me a little bit, but uh, back in undergrad many, many moons ago, I actually did some Reynolds like 30, 40 analysis. years ago? I'm not that old. <laughs> wow, look at you, James. I know. And here I am. It must have been back when the Reynolds number was just invented. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. But yeah, that was the experiment. Then there were more experiments, though. That's pretty cool. There are more experiments. Okay. So one of the things was in those plots, they were using the same liquid, and they wanted to see what happens if you start changing the liquid that's inside the balloon. You know, they had tried different shell materials. Um, so they tried yeah. liquids of different viscosity. Uh, they tried, like, water. I think, is it glycol? Sorry, glycerol and honey oh okay and i was about to say if they're doing honey that'd be really cool yeah and then they looked at the effects of those and again they then came up with another sort of unitless comparison and plotted it and sure enough all the numbers start to 
line up on a nice line so that, you know, sort of regardless of what your fluid is or your capsule material on the outside, the shell or the size, you can start to get an idea of what's going to, what the deformation is going to be if you shoot it against a wall or something else happens to it. Yeah. And, and the, the power of this kind of analysis is like, you know, it's, it's hard to do a study of seeing how organs are going to get destroyed as they get decelerated in a car crash. But you have a study like this and you say, well, scaling with the Weber number shows this and uh, we can estimate the Weber number of a liver is this number. So we expect it to deform by this much because yeah. it's an analogous you know, system. Exactly. Exactly. So these were the first two parts. Then, you know, the big finale is they start to say okay what happens if we start looking at how these parameters start to affect balloons popping got to bring it back to the water balloon and so oh, okay i guess i've been kind of picturing this being water balloons the whole time but it's really like a, a generic capsule with a generic liquid and they change the capsule and the liquid yeah so then they do so so the water balloon kind of va can validate their theory then they can say like all right we know we know the material, of, you know, we know that it's latex, so it has this tension, and we know that the inside is water, which has this viscosity. Crunch the numbers and see what they expect, mm -hmm. and then do an experiment and see if it matches? Yeah, basically. So the, the other variable with water balloons is that there's this element of pre-stretch. So we've all probably been there where you overfill a water balloon, and it's like you don't even have time to throw it because it just pops. So yeah. They asked two questions. First was, for a given amount of pre-stretch, what velocity is needed to consistently blow up the balloon? And then you could huh. ask, okay. you know, the, the complementary question of that. For a given launch speed, how much pre-stretch is required to guarantee an explosion? Oh, okay. So, like, if I know that I can throw it at 10 miles per hour, then I need to know... How much do you overfill it? So so I must have not thrown it fast enough or pre-stretched it enough. Yes. Yes. And Ugh. man, if only I had this paper back then, it could have saved my childhood. Little Charlie. Yeah. Could have could have gone to graduate school and gotten a PhD. <laughs> or done so at the age of ten. Yeah. I don't think there's any scenario where I was doing that, but <laughs> So what did they find when they looked at the water balloons? Basically, their modeling worked. There's a cool plot. I didn't include it in the notes, but they were basically able to plot the data and figure out, like, from their experiments when the water balloons were bursting. And it matched up pretty well with the general shape of the curve um, that they were getting before. One thing that I hadn't really mentioned is that for these plots that they did, they were coming up with actual expressions that relate all these variables together. That was how they got the the plots and so incorporating the pre-stretch factor in they're able to sort of determine this regime where the water balloons would pop and then oh cool most importantly in the supplementary data for their paper they include three video links um, which are accessible even though unfortunately the paper isn't open access the links are so i'll post the links to the videos if you want to kind of get a feel for what they did and they're cool. They're just slow motion videos of their experiments. And it's pretty cool to see. Okay, I'm opening. Whoa. 
That's really cool. The honey one is really cool. Yeah. Dude, yeah. the the one with honey just like stops against the wall. Yeah. I guess it's kind of what you would expect. Dude, now I'm remembering another water balloon fight that I had one time at this like this like camp that I went to. People were filling water balloons with like shaving cream, which is mm. fun. It like makes them pop easily and like it's, you know, cool. It's like funny to get hit with a shaving cream balloon. But then I got hit by one and then like a couple minutes later my my arm just started burning like crazy and I washed it off and all my hair was gone and someone had filled it with Nair. Like, you know, Nair, like that hair removal, like chemical. Oh, gross. Dude, can you believe that? Dude, what if that went into your eyes? (laughs) I know, like seriously, or like my head. Oh God. Dude, can you imagine? High school is, high school is brutal. Yeah, it was, it was, that was pretty bad. But now I'm wondering the physics behind that you know maybe they threw it just fast enough to pop with the with the viscosity mm-hmm. of nair in mind yes questions that until now science couldn't answer i know <laughs> okay well man this was really cool i'm not gonna lie this was like a much needed kind of light-hearted episode given the the times right now i was feeling down last week after the other one i mean I think I'm just dude. I've now. been feeling down all week, like just like constant anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's real. It's so real. This is a nice little break. We didn't really talk about the news. I'm surprised you even found news about science that's not related to coronavirus. But what were they saying about this in the news? Truthfully, uh, I had to dig pretty deep to find this one to find something that wasn't coronavirus really? related. So it was on <laughs> Silence Daily. So that's how we ended up with water balloons. Yeah. The um. Science Daily had a headline, water balloon physics is high impact science, which isn't like super buzzy, but you read it and you're like, this kind of sounds like it was meant to be buzzy. Yeah, grown. And and then I found a great nerdy NSF video from 2013 about the physics of water balloons. That's just hilarious. Oh, nice. So I'll post that. Nice. Cool. But yeah. Uh, Yeah. Put those all up on our website because I think people need some, you know, a couple minute distractions anywhere they can get it Mm -hmm. yeah if you're feeling just you know general depression about the current state of affairs feel free to reach out to us on (laughs) social media twitter instagram at paperboys pod we have a lot of time on our hands these days working from home all the time and school is moved totally online so hit us up we'd love to interact yeah Although working from home, the last thing that I need is more distractions from social media. But oh, I have yeah. been really bad about I apologize to to anyone who's been tweeting at us and I haven't replied. I've been just kind of like trying to ignore notifications these days, given that most notifications that come in are dire. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just ignore them and bury our heads. <laughs> okay, I will. Uh, you can also check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod. Gee, I wonder what topic we're going to do for April. I mean, I'm finding it hard to imagine that we won't do coronavirus unless we kind of rebel against the coronavirus craze. We could do something also funny and lighthearted. Turn our clocks back and travel a hundred years in the past to the Spanish flu of 1918. Dude, I think we should do the Spanish flu. Yeah. So everyone, uh, everyone... Check out the Patreon for that. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to like 
try and you know make money off of a tragedy like oh we're gonna do coronavirus science but only behind the paywall you know seems a little messed up but the spanish flu happened a hundred years ago oh dude all proceeds we get next month from patreon we could donate to a good cause i don't food bank or something yeah i think yeah i think that's a great idea yeah so check us out patreon.com slash paperboyspod thanks everyone for listening and please join us next week for another exciting edition of paperboys thanks for listening 